The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In 2011, at the age of 98, the last crown prince of the Austro-Hungarian Empire died, Otto von Habsburg. You might know that a crown prince is a baby boy that is born to a royal family, and at the time that he is born, he used to be the king one day. That's why they call him the crown prince. Well, in 2011, the last one for the big Austro-Hungarian Empire died, and as you might imagine, they had a very elaborate funeral for him. Even though Austria, of course, is no longer a monarchy and that empire has not existed since the end of World War I, there are many people that still honored the family and the traditions and their history. And so it was a big state event. In St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna, they had a funeral mass that well, the likes of which have not been seen in Austria for a while before and certainly not since. It had all the pomp and pageantry that you might imagine would go along with an occasion like that. Bishops were there, heads of states and their representatives. And then when the Mass in the church was done, they did this. A big procession left the church with the casket. And they walked with the head of the procession leading them throughout the streets of Vienna to a small church a few blocks away. The church, which was nothing like the big church that they had just had the service in, but a very small, relatively modest one by Austrian standards. And the procession walked up to the front door of the church, and with the head right in front of the casket, they stopped at the door, and the leader took his rod and he knocked on the door one, two, three times. On the other side of the door, there was a monk who was in charge of the monks that kept that little church. And the monk answered, calling throughout the door, through the door, Wer begehrt Einlass? Who desires entry? And the head of the procession yelled through the door in response, Otto of Austria in German, Crown Prince of Austria-Hungary, Imperial Prince of Bohemia, Dalmatia, Croatia and Slovenia, and so on and so forth. And after he was done listing the imperial and aristocratic titles of the deceased Otto, there was a pause. And the monk on the other side of the door yelled back through the door, Wir kennen ihn nicht. We don't know him. And so the head of the procession tried again. He knocked on the door one, two, three times. The monk yelled, Wer begehrt Einlass, who desires entry? And the head of the procession said, Dr. Otto von Habsburg, President of the Pan-European Union, 
member and former member and president of the European Parliament with honorary doctorates and then listing off what those doctorates were from many prestigious universities. He talked about the honorable man that Otto was after the empire ended just simply as a private citizen. And when he's done listing off of these things, what happens But there's a moment of silence and the monk calls through the door, Wir kennen ihn nicht. We don't know him. And so then the head of the procession knocks a third time. Knock, knock, knock. And the monk yells, Wer begehrt Einlass? And the head of the procession says simply and shortly, Otto, ein sterblicher sündiger Mensch. Otto, a mortal, sinful man. And the monk then replies simply, So komme sie herein, so you may come in. And the doors open, and the casket is received into the church, and the burial commences and concludes. Now this is a striking image, and for what it's worth, you guys can find this on YouTube when you go home today. It's all there because it was a big news event, and it's kind of neat to see. But rather than just simply get caught up in watching it, I want you to think about the picture, this paints, the image that it gives us in our mind about how we approach God. Our intuition, just simply as human beings, can be misleading when it comes to about how we think about God and how we think about how we come to him, whether living or dead. I think there's a lot of people, most in fact in the world, assume, just inside of their gut, that you approach God based off of your resume. Just like the procession leader with the first two attempts to get into the church, you come to God with the reasons that you are honored by men, your positions, your titles, your privileges, your accomplishments, your works. Of course, that is how we work as humans, isn't it? If somebody knocks on your door and they say, open in the name of the king, well, we don't have a king, open in the name of the governor or something, he's right here, well, you'll be more inclined to open it than if it is some other stranger without any credibility to back him up. That's how human work, humans work, so we think, many people think. How much more is that how God works? God himself is honor himself. God, he is power himself. God, God is goodness himself. He is all that is good. So why not then stress the degrees to which we have those traits? when we come before him, the degrees to which we have power, honor, and goodness. And of course, that is what many people do. It is how many people think of God. God is the most important interview, so to speak, in this life that you will ever have. You better believe you're going to put your best foot forward when presenting yourself to him. But here's the thing. One is not received by God living or dead, in that way. In fact, should someone approach God that way, that person will have the door remain closed in his face. Jesus tells a parable today, a familiar one to us. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee comes with his resume, typed out meticulously, a nice clear font on glossy cardstock, so it sticks out, it looks good. 
He talks about the things that he is not. He's not an extortioner, he prays to God, not an adulterer, he's not unjust, and best of all, he's not like that guy over there, the tax collector that everybody knows is an absolutely awful human being. And moreover, he adds the good stuff too. Well, you've got to make sure you don't just talk about the bad stuff you aren't, but the good stuff you are. He fasts, not once in a while, not during Lent, but twice a week. He just foregoes food to discipline his body and honor the Lord. Everything that he gets, he makes sure to tithe it. Not just his paycheck, not just his net pay, but his gross pay. He even tithes the $10 that he gets from grandma every birthday. That's how much this guy is a good guy in keeping God's laws. This is what he prays to the Lord. He followed his intuition, as many people would in this circumstance. What does God do but give us many laws that are good, moral laws? Don't do this bad stuff, do this good stuff. And so, if you know that that is who God is, you're praying to God, you're going to pray in that way. God, I haven't done the bad stuff you told me not to do, and I have done this good stuff, here you go. But of course, we know, as the parable plays out, that man, Pharisee, is rejected. Just like Cain before him, his sacrifice to the Lord is not accepted, is not a pleasing aroma. Is it because the things that that man didn't do that were bad and did do that were good were themselves actually, in the end, bad? No, that's not it at all. Was it because of some technicality that he wasn't standing in the right place or saying the right words in the right order? Nope, God doesn't work that way either. No, God doesn't operate on technicalities, and moreover, the stuff that he said he didn't do, we shouldn't do that. The stuff that he did do, those are good things to do. God commands them, but rather, the man is rejected because God does not receive righteous people, but he only receives sinners. That's who the Lord takes. That's who the position is open to, as it were. It's who's being hired. See, God doesn't want to encourage us to live in sin, in active, unrepentant sin in our lives. To be frank, the tax collector, it's, a par it's a, just a proverb, or a parable, rather, but the real tax collectors and how they lived in that era, they were living a wicked life, skimming off the top, robbing people that could not afford to be robbed. Folks shouldn't live that way then or now. Sin angers God and it hurts our neighbor. But no, in receiving people the way that he does, God is not trying to encourage sin, but rather, he is keeping the reality in view that no man is not a sinner. Or to erase the double negative, everybody is a sinner. Any sin, great or small, separates from God and destroys the communion fellowship that we have with him. And the Pharisee was losing sight of that. He had done those good things. He had not done those bad things. But there were still other good things that he did not do. And there were bad things that he did do. And that was enough to make him what the other man, the tax collector, confessed himself to be. A poor, sinful person. The only way 
but a human being, man or woman, young or old, boy or girl, it doesn't matter. The only way that someone can approach God is by what they actually are, a sinner. A sinner in need of redemption, a sinner in need of grace. And that's the only way we can receive what God has in store for us. Grace, mercy, and forgiveness through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The tax collector in the parable left justified because he was able to receive by his short, simple prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner, what the Lord actually had to give. God doesn't have rewards for us for the good that we have done for him or in his name. But rather what God has for us is forgiveness for sins confessed and repented of, sins offered up to him without holding back. The man came, the tax collector, not with his merits, expecting payment, but with his confession, hoping for mercy. And mercy indeed he received. It was true for them then, it's been true for humanity ever since they were cast out of the garden and until the Lord comes again. We don't come to the temple to pray. We come to church. But more than church, we come to the Lord daily, multiple times a day. And that's what today is about. When you approach the Lord in prayer in this life, approach him with the attitude of the tax collector every day, every time, because that is what you are every day, every time. You are a sinner asking for something to be given to you that you couldn't even begin to pay back. And as bizarre as that sounds to intuition, as much as that doesn't make sense to the world, it is how God works, and it is what he wants to do. For when you come that way to God, in your prayers, in church, in your whole life, then you will not have the door slammed shut in your face. Then your prayer will be received as an offering of worship and praise that it actually is to the God that wants to have mercy on sinners. And then, in your life as a Christian, and finally at your life's end, when you go to be with him, you will not have the door slammed shut in your face, but you will hear your Lord say to you, so you may come in, and in coming, indeed, you will. To Jesus Christ be all glory now and forever. Amen.